Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome in, indeed. Thank you for joining us again on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. John, it's always good to talk to you and to see you through Zoom. How are you doing? How's your week going? Oh, it's great to see you too, Jalen. My week has been fairly busy, actually. You know, I think because of COVID, had this certain rhythm of pre-recording worship and sermons. Like I'm not doing all of it, but that's the rhythm our church has been in. But this uh, last few weeks, some of the restrictions are starting to relax. The guidelines are changing here in Santa Clara County where, where my church is. And so we've been having discussions about what it looks like to begin the regathering process. We're going super slow. I think our first month is going to be just staff, but you know, we've built a certain number of muscles, spiritual muscles, or even, you know, organizational muscles over the last six months. And now we're starting to change them. And so it just takes a little bit more work and energy to figure out this new stuff, but it's been good. I think a lot of people are looking forward to meeting again, but at the same time, I think we want to be cautious. We want to uh, we want to love our neighbors well. And so it just takes a lot of thought and wisdom on how to do that well. How about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I imagine for you, it's probably really exciting because some of these people you've never met before in person, right? Like yeah. because of everything going on and, and the season in which you came into this church, you've not met them in person. I know just by your personality, you like having in-person gatherings. And so I'm sure you're really looking forward to that. But um, yeah, for us, as you know, since the pandemic, we decided to do homeschooling for our kids. And so the homeschooling uh, curriculum that we've got, we're now teaching, actually, Jenny's doing all the teaching. So I don't want to say we, meaning that I'm helping out at all. But, you know, I support my wife as she does it. So Jenny's been teaching this curriculum and they just started an Africa unit. And so they're studying uh, countries of Africa. And so we, we put up this huge, like eight by three foot map of Africa in our basement. We put on like canvas paper and we hung it up and uh, have all the countries kind of uh, drawn in on there. And so it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Uh, the kids have been excited to learn about that. And it's been cool to, to see them get excited about learning about Africa. So that's awesome. Well, John, we're excited to welcome in our guest, Mark Chan. Uh, Mark is the lead pastor for Urban Voice Community Church. It's a church in the Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. Uh, he's someone that both you and I have known over the years, and we're really excited to have Mark here. So Mark, thank you for joining us. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Mark, it's, it's really good to have you on the podcast. I think especially one of the reasons why we're so excited to have you is because you are our first guest that really represents the Cantonese side of ministry in the Chinese church. And I think when Jalen and I first thought about doing this podcast, we were like, oh, we'll just exclusively have English speaking voices. But we realized that doesn't give a full representation or a full picture of the Chinese church. And and the Cantonese Mandarin, you know, congregations are always a vital part of who we are. And so we're really glad that you're with us. I was wondering if you could just share with our listeners just what your, your background and ministry journey has been. How did you get your start in ministry and where are you now? As you said, I'm the lead pastor at Urban Voice right now. It's been four years. It's a new church plan. And I think, you know, it's talking 
talking about my uh, spiritual journey started probably in the late 80s and early 90s when I first came to the United States and um, I got to go to a Southern Baptist church, a Chinese Southern Baptist church in Northern California, actually in the Central Valley, Sacramento. And I was invited to go there and there I, I think I, I experienced the first uh, spiritual awakening of what Christ's love means to me. And I grew spiritually there and it's a small bi-congregational uh, local church, Southern Baptist Church, and they didn't have a Chinese speaking pastor. They only had uh, a senior pastor who is English speaking. So we're kind of on our own. So back then I was a college student and everything is on our own and we have to do our own Sunday school. We have to do our own spiritual growth and discipleship right, within the fellowship, within the college fellowship. And I really totally enjoy it. And uh, just because of those years uh, without pastoral attention or pastoral leadership in the church, and I realized there was so much need just in churches. So I felt called to enter a full-time ministry. So I talked to English speaking senior pastor and the elders, the deacons, and they all affirm the call into ministry. So I went into seminary and eventually I find myself in Canada, finished my MDiv at Regent College in Vancouver. So I stayed there for a couple of years to serve in, again, this Asian Chinese church context. And then uh, I think in year 2000, there was an opportunity to open up. Uh, so I came to Chicago. I went to Chinese Christian Union Church, the youth pastor. So I was in, in, in Chicago since year 2000 and until now, yeah, 20 years there. So when you were at CCUC, you were the Cantonese youth pastor, right? The youth pastor of the Cantonese congregation. And then you eventually ended up serving as like the Cantonese lead pastor. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So for a lot of that, you know, you were in a church where there was a separate Cantonese and English congregation. Is that how Urban Voices also, or is it a different model that you guys have? As I said, we are a new church. We have just started four years ago, three and a half years ago, and we are still small. So the base is Chinese speaking, Cantonese, and we have a small English congregation, uh, some young adults, yeah, some some youth. So we are kind of in the infancy stage compared to you know my former church or many other churches in North America. Yeah, I think that's exciting because you're at the point where probably a lot of immigrant churches are now where you're where you're seeing where probably some of the youth are going to become the English congregation, right? And it's exciting to see almost like another church plant within a church plant, right? Because right, right, right. you're having a different congregation that's going to start meeting. And so that's exciting. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, and I want to see, see it that way too. Yeah, I don't want to see them as, you know, our baby, our child and estate stay childish all the time, right? I, I want them to grow. But, you know, of course, so far we are in a very infancy stage. But, you know, I, I have that outlook that, um, you know, someday they will, they, they will be the future of the church. Could you describe sort of the transition then that you made from being a leader in the, as a Cantonese youth pastor to then an associate pastor for the Cantonese congregation, lead pastor for the Cantonese congregation, and then now to a lead pastor for a multilingual church plant. Uh, what has that transition been like for you as a leader? I think the transition from being a youth guy to become an associate pastor of the congregational pastor is fairly natural because you, you stay within the church family, right? And, you know, as, as a pastor, you all know we take care of our church members from cradle to grave 24 7 right so by the time you're you have served in the local church for say three four years you pretty much uh, everyone's pastor right pretty much all the church members and you know their life stories and you become just intimately part of 
you know, their family and what they're going through. So it was fairly natural for me to transition from, you know, one role, one leadership role to another leadership role and leading the congregation, right? Yeah, but as far as, you know, uh, being a pastor in an established church context, transition into a new church plan, that's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different ballgame. I, I learned so much. And uh, there, there was a gap year in between, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what, what I should do next. And I went to different churches for interview as well. So in that gap year, it was a big transition for me as well. By the time we, we launched Urban Voice Family, it was a huge adjustment on my part. As, as a church planter, I always describe myself as the pastor, the janitor, the custodian, the contractor, you know, the IT guy, everything, right? In the church plan, it's just everything. You just have to do all the all all the stuff, right? But you know, I, I you know, as we progress, you know, we got more helpers. We we become more mature. Yeah, you just have to wear a lot of hats in church ministry. What were some of the uh, the challenges that you guys experienced in the early early days of this church plant? I think there's. Um, it's top of my head. A shortage of you know human power. Um, you know, compared to an established church environment, you, you got every department is ready, uh, it's running. Doesn't mean they're running good. They're still running, right? <laughs> it's like you know going going to a boat, right? You just operate and keep keep it going. But in the, in the new church plan, you just have to create from nothing. As simple as something we take it for granted. Uh, like Sunday school, right? Children ministry. You got to start from zero, from decoration, from all the paperwork, from all the whatever policies you want to have, recruitment and all that, right? And it's a huge challenge. Yeah. I think as John mentioned earlier, you are the first guest that we've had on this podcast that is coming from a Cantonese yeah. perspective. You know, as a, as a former Cantonese congregation pastor, how have you seen English congregations and Chinese congregations work together and serve one another effectively? I see a lot of cultural differences, to be honest with you. You know, in a in a traditional Chinese culture, my culture, something is more pronounced than the English congregation, the second generation, so-called, right? I have difficulty understanding it. <laughs> uh, in the traditional Chinese culture, age is a status, right? The older you get, right? The more deserved you uh, you get, right? And then title is a huge thing. And I, I, I have seen, you know, the, the second generation or English speaking folks uh, just scratching their, their head. Why is title so, mean so much to them, right? They want to be addressed in such a way, you know, if you're younger, you have to address the older folks with some sort of formal title, like Reverend, Doctor or whatever, right? You can't call them by their first names, right? <laughs> but, you know, the second generation have difficulty understanding that, right? That that kind of cultural gap, right? My generation, you know, I come from that generation and I totally understand why they want to be called, you know, some sort of leadership, you know, I'll, I'll call it leadership entitlement. The older you get and the more time you spend in a church body or in, in an organization, you're kind of entitled to some sort of respect. Um, so, so I see a lot of differences. And because of the differences, there are a lot of tensions or misunderstanding, miscommunication on both sides. And and what I see is that usually the, the second generation generation has have to uh, give way for the first generation and not the other way around. That's very rare. <laughs> I think I have been long enough in, 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 in kind of this you know, older and older and younger, and then Chinese and second generation context for so long. And I can say, from my my experience, I, I just see a lot of uh, you know mis misunderstanding, mis miscommunication. And usually, the first generation are not willing to to give up, and maybe they just don't know what giving up means. Um, so there there is a big adjustment 
on the part of the older folks. I think I have seen a lot of stories, uh, heard a lot of experiences that says, you know, we just have to wait out for the younger folks, right? For, for the English speaking uh, emerging pastoral leadership. They just have to, I guess, suck it up, right? <laughs> just have to wait it out, you know, wait, wait for the uh, first generation to kind of pass away and you just pick up the baton. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's tough because like you said, one group maybe isn't ready or doesn't want to pass on the baton. Yeah. And then the other group is really maybe chomping at the bit to to try to pick that up and run with it. And so I, I do appreciate what you just said in that oftentimes in order to do it well, you have seen the second generation release some of the desire to, to step in there for the sake of, of unity, for the sake of the church growing but admittedly, that's really, really tough. Right. I'm reminded of in the Old Testament when, you know, Moses and Joshua are leading Israel and, you know, Joshua's leading the people in battle, but he really needs the older generation to kind of uh, support them, you know, with Moses, with his arms raised to support Joshua in that. And so it's, it's got to be this partnership together. One thing that I'm curious about, though, is that you, you've talked primarily about, you know, this tension between an older first generation leadership and a younger second generation English speaking leadership. But I know that in your Cantonese congregation, you had a lot of quote unquote, second generation, but Cantonese speaking or culturally Cantonese uh, younger folks in your congregation. So I wonder, was there a similar tension, like a generational tension, more so than a, a language tension, but a generational tension between an older first generation versus a younger Cantonese speaking generation? In the same language group, um, I think language would no longer be a barrier. Um, but in terms of generational gap or generational differences there 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 is there is I, I i have to admit i just came in as a kind of a younger guy right back then i was a younger guy so i kind of in between right and i feel the tension i have to gain respect of the older leadership all the time i need to gain their trust i got to wait it out or i got to be patient all the time to gain their trust first and then while grooming the younger generation right encouraging them you know leading them and they kind of formally or informally follow me. So I kind of in between, right? So I'm kind of the, the, the bridge. But you know, in terms of generation or cultural difference, there, there is. But in terms of uh, the first generation who was Chinese speaking and the second generation who are English speaking, the differences become more pronounced because of language and, and just yeah. cultural difference. So, so that, that is even harder to, to bridge. Have you seen ways that, you know, the first generation immigrant congregation has been benefited by the second generation English congregation and then also vice versa. How, how have the younger second generation English congregation benefited from the first generation immigrant? I think most of the Chinese churches or Asian churches are founded by the first generation immigrants. And as immigrants, I was an immigrant, right? I came to the United States when I was 18 years old, right? During college here. There is a very strong subconscious mentality is to settle down, to make sure that we're okay. Make sure we can just take root here because it, this is a foreign land and we are perpetual foreigners, right? And we want to establish ourselves in this land in terms of career, in terms of you know money that we earn, the material, this, this is the things that we want to make sure we are provided for, right? Um, so there was a very strong mentality of just settle down and status quo. So that translates either verbally or, or unconsciously into a church culture because a lot of Chinese churches, at least in America, in North America, are founded by uh, Bible study groups, which happen to, to meet on campuses. 
right? And they got together for, for Christian fellowship. And then once they reached a certain number, X number of members, and then they, they began a church. And this church stayed there for another 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. So for, for immigrant mindset, definitely you want to stay together. That's what Chinese family is all about, right? We are multi-generational, you know, the grandpa, the, the, the father, and then the son and the grandson, right? So in that sense, you know, the immigrants mindset, the first generation has always come, come back to, you know, we want stability, right? We don't want to rock the boat. So in order to, for, for our church to continue, at least in the, in a very humanly short-sightedness, uh, we don't want to change. Whoever sits on the board, let him continue because that's how we that's how we want things here. So in order to change the leadership or change the way we we manage the church or way we uh, we run the church, uh, that that is pretty scary for for immigrant right. And the second generation because they, they don't have that kind of baggage. They're more you know entrepreneurial and you know leadership focused and uh, visionary. They want to do new things and indeed that is needed because the, the world has changed has been changing so much. Back then, when the church first started in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, you know, not much change back then <laughs> in the old world, right? So they kind of translate that into the current situation and say, hey, we didn't change uh, in the first 30 years. Why do we have to make the change now? I want to just ask real quick, you know, or, or I just comment. I think that what you're describing is just a very different, like the ministry situation that the first generation entered is very different from the ministry situation that the second generation finds themselves in, right? The first generation, maybe to describe it, I guess my word to describe it would be like survival. Mm. They're here, they're trying to build something new and they're just trying to keep the thing alive, you know, like in its earliest, most, maybe most vulnerable years. Mm. But years later, after, after seeking and finding the stability, now the maybe the new word is is how do you thrive in that right moving from survive to thrive and sometimes like it's a scary thing to to jump into that or pursue that you know i i personally it just reminds me of of even you know the early church right the first few years it was about survival this new thing the way of jesus right. and trying to figure out who are we in the midst of a world that's very very hostile to the gospel and then at some point, maybe there's a shift into what does the church look like? Who do we, who are we now that we are beginning to grow and thrive because of what God is doing among us? And similarly, you know, the Chinese church has gone through those phases and not recognizing them is probably where some of that tension happens between congregations, between generations. I was wondering for some of our English speaking listeners, whether they're in full-time ministry or lay leaders, do you have any practical ways that as you lead an intergenerational congregation now, what are some practical ways to bridge the gap between different generations or different cultures? Um, you know, I, I, I talk a little bit about it, uh, wait it out, but that's a very passive way <laughs> to do it. It's not a biblical way to do it. Right? <laughs> the Chinese way, though. <laughs> yeah, right. The very Chinese way, right? Um, you know, as I said before, uh, even I felt that kind of tension, right, within the same language uh, congregational setting. You have to wait it out. And, you know, I think, are there any pra practical ways? You know, I think I'm old enough and experienced enough now to speak to, uh, you know, some of the listeners who happen to be you know, late 40s like me, or hitting 50 or above. If you're leading a, your church as a senior pastor, you, you even, even in, in your 60s, I would say, you know, it's time to let go. That's a very practical way to, to do it. You know, don't don't expect the second generation to do something. Well, they probably have to, have to do their part, right? But, you know, I think you're, you if you're an older guy, if you're aging, 
you're not the future of the church. You just have to let go, man. And you have to pass the baton to a younger guy. You need to keep looking for a younger guy and you need to, to feel secure even if you step down. I had a conversation with a fresh grad uh, sem seminary students not too long ago. Uh, we were talking about uh, our, our church church's future and we are a really new church, right? Four years only, right? And I said to him, I, I'm ready to uh, let go of my leadership. If I find the right guy, I'm looking for a right guy right now, right? If he being a second generation, speak, uh, English speaking, uh, he can serve effectively, reach out effectively in his circle, uh, in his world, you know, I'm ready to let go. And then he asked me, uh, what, what are you going to do then? If you're no longer the lead pastor, I said, I'm totally fine and content to be, to step down, to be associate. The fact that I'm the so-called founding pastor or lead pastor, it doesn't mean I would stay there permanently. And I don't like that culture. You know, when we planned Urban Voice, I remember I said to uh, the first generation leaders, I said, hey, um, you know, I don't plan to be here to be a permanent statue because I, I know someday as the church grows, hopefully by the grace of God, it will grow, continue to grow. And maybe someday my gifts and my abilities, my sets of talents will no longer be a good fit for the church. And I want the church leadership to have some sort of mechanism, some sort of culture built in, some sort of DNA that I, as an aging pastor, I can move on and I can step back. I can totally be comfortable to be associate pastor instead of being an emeritus, <laughs> being continued to rise, right? being continued to be uh, to to hang on to the seniority. I mean, I'm totally fine to be a teaching pastor, a pastoral care guy, right? To help the church uh, transition in the future. And by all means, I'm not the future of the church, right? So I would say to the older guys, please, if you have all this like me, look for a younger guy. This is the time, right? This is the time, not until you are over 60s, you know, that would be too late, right? You have like 10 years or 15 years to look for another guy to, to take up the baton, right? And, and by all means, I, I can say that because, you know, I founded a church and I would say to the church, I'm not the father of the church, right? God is the father. I'm not. Right? So I, I think, I think, you know, for, for older guys like me, you know, I would, as I said, I'm now old enough to even say some words to, to those who are over 60s. I would say, I would say you have to let go of your obsession of control. Now, you, you got to come before God and say, you know, you're still the child of God. You're not defined by your ministry. You're not defined by the building that you built or the church that you built. I think that's the mo most practical advice I would give <laughs> because I, I have experienced quite a bit uh, in terms of cultural, you know, transition and, 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 you know, the leadership tension between two generations. I'm now kind of the bridge guy. And I find that the biggest barrier is my generation, is the first generation. I mean, to be honest, right? We can blame the, 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 the emerging generation being, you know, too liberal or too justice focused or whatever, right? But, you know, we, we just have to let go. And, and, and this is one thing I, I would say. And second thing I, I would say is uh, we need to renew ourselves, you know, as, as first generation pastors. Uh, we got our training in the old days. Maybe those training were foundational, but in today's world, maybe they're outdated. So, you know, we got to broaden our concern and broaden our, our scope of, you know, uh, understanding, right? I mean, the issues that tomorrow's world or today's world is struggling with are totally different from, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s. <laughs> I, I, I remember a, a very interesting uh, conversation I, I had with a senior pastor who was almost retiring, 67 or maybe close to 70s. Remember, I said there was a gap year. Um, I was trying to seek for uh, next chapter. I went to different churches for interview. 
I remember I had this interview with the board who the, the leading guy was the uh, senior pastor who is trying to uh, retire and look for another guy like me. So we had this conversation and uh, I think he likes me. I'm confident to say that he, he, he probably likes me. But the, the conversation and the Sunday afternoon, the interview took a very interesting turn after half an hour because we were talking about justice issues. So this pastor was, was saying to me, oh, I heard some of your uh, sermons, some of your messages, Pastor Mark. He said, um, uh, you, you address some of the issues. And, and let me tell you this. Uh, we only talk about things that are black and white, clear teaching from the Bible. Right? Some of the issues fall under the gray areas, then you should not talk about it on the pulpit. You should not even mention it on the pulpit. And then I ask him, what issue or what issues that are black and white in scripture? And as I expect, he said, you know, homosexuality. That's the only black and white issue we talk about on the pulpit, he said. And then I debate with him. I said, uh, you know, pastor, I respectfully disagree because I found in my Bible, at least in Torah, right, in the first five books, it talks about all kinds of justice, right? Economic justice, racial justice, and all that, right? And then we spent about one and a half hour debating, just the two of us. And I, I, I just couldn't let go. And by, by, the, by the time we entered the debate, I said, I'm not going to take this job. So that's okay. I can debate with you because I'm ready to fly away. Right? <laughs> but, you know, as, uh, as, as an example, you know, how the first generation would see things in the world, right? Um, kind of one and a half you know, one and a half generation. And, you know, I could totally understand his his worldview or his outlook. But, you know, I just feel like, you know, this is reductionism. This is a truncated understanding of the gospel. And it would not be relevant to, to this world, right? Or the world in the future. And I would say to the older guys, you know, it's time for you to read some new books. Be open and learn, right? Be open and learn. Maybe go back to the seminary, take a class, or do a class or whatever. You know, just broaden your world. I mean, um, I, I, I totally feel that because I'm getting old. I tend to listen to the same kind of music. I tend to go back to the same books. But, you know, I challenge myself. I, I try, try to read uh, new books, right? Try to listen to new conversations. I mean, we never stop growing and we should not just expect our congregants to to learn and while we stop learning i'll probably say too much for for, for the first generation but <laughs> no I, I think that's so encouraging to hear uh, that sort of humility that desire for teachability i think that's so needed for leaders wherever you are to see and i appreciate that you model that and i appreciate your your desire even you know even just as a church plant, you as lead church planter, you know, willing to look for the next leader. I think that is uh, just a wonderful characteristic that a lot of us, all of us should learn from. Could I ask what, what are some things maybe as a second generation English guy, like what would, what would you look for in sort of the next generation coming up? What would you look for in an English pastor or, you know, in a lead pastor for a Chinese church that would make sense to say, here, I, I want to pass the baton to you. I think in my generation, or even those who are older than me, we value suffering. <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, sad to say, but uh, we value suffering. We, we value hard working. We value discipline. Um, you just work your butt off, right? Uh, this is what we value. This is what we're looking for. And again, this is a cultural difference, right? As I said, uh, as a ge first generation, we are immigrants. Uh, we have to take a job from uh, restaurants, right? In order to earn some money. Um, so this is slowly or naturally becomes one of our, you know, markers. We are hardworking. I think those who know me know that I, I'm really hardworking. <laughs> and so, so when I look for a new leader, I look for the same mark, right? Just naturally. Maybe this is my uh, cultural bias. 
And I try to understand, you know, I, I talk to younger guys uh, who are fresh grad from the seminary. They have different language. They have different set of priorities, right? And I need to try to understand that too. Um, and that's a great balance because they come in and say, you just, you just can't be a, a workaholic all the time, right? You got to take some balance. To me, balance sounds like, uh, you know, as a first generation, sounds like, you know, being lazy. <laughs> or maybe just part, part of me is... Part of that is is my own personality, but you know I I think in in general there there is indeed a, a cultural difference. As much as I said, uh, the first generation has to change. There is so much we can learn from the first generation. They are faithful. Uh, the fact that they stick to the church, right? They are not hopping around. They stick to one family for years, right? And they continue to give for decades. That speaks a lot, and I think that this is biblical values. And you know, for the for the younger guys, for the for the uh, new generation, probably their priority is not that. You know, we we, we can still learn from each other. Uh, the second generation can come to the first generation and hey, I really value and really respect you because you have done this. You know, way to go, right? But I, I think it, it takes two to tangle. Yeah, you know, I just really really respect and appreciate that perspective, Mark. That it requires, I think, release and trust from both sides and. Yeah, just your heart for both the first generation and the second generation as you try to bridge that and, and what you're doing at, at UV. So as we just kind of wrap up our time uh, talking ministry, we just wanted to ask, do you have any final encouragement or advice for that second generation English speaking pastor um, that's in the trenches and serving um, you know, I really respect you guys. I know many of you find yourself in very difficult situations, uh, just trying to understand, uh, trying to uh, listen, right? Um, so, you know, hang in there. As much as the first generation have to learn to let go, God is still on the move. We trust God. You know, he's still, you know, doing mighty works, you know, in the church and in his people in the world. So, you know, as much as the first generation need to let go and trust, you know, the second generation, I think you need to hang on and trust. Yeah, that's a good word. Strong encouragement for us. And Mark, we really do appreciate your time with us. We're appreciative of the words of encouragement and also that perspective that you brought. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Mark. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.